The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Central City Citizen, a PapaChulaRadio.com original series. Papachula Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Thursday, March 31st, 2022, and I'm your host, Professor X. During this podcast, we'll be handling having an in-depth discussion on the CW's The Flash. Please welcome my co-host, Dimitri J. Singer. What's happening, Central City? And Jeffrey Aruz. Hey, Central City. Boo. <laughs> Startled now. Uh, let's jump into our discussion of Season 8, Episode 9, which was titled Phantoms and aired on March 30th. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Barry and Team Flash get closer to figuring out the fire meta, but no closer to finding them. Meanwhile, Iris, needing a distraction, follows a story to Coast City. Short and sweet. Uh, at Barry and Iris's loft, Dion gives Iris a checkup for her temporal sickness, and before he leaves, he notices some issues, specifically mutations he's never seen before. He goes to ask for some assistance in figuring it out and tells her he'll be back when he knows more. Dimitri, Iris's time sickness has been slow rolled. You know, we sort of got some reminders of it, then it disappeared, now it's back. Do you like how they've slow rolled this? Because this is obviously a big deal for, you know, one of the main characters on the show. No, um, I think most of us would like to forget the storyline with the forces ever happened, um, but they keep sort of forcing it upon us. Um, oh, I, I see just... what you did there. Thank you, thank you. I'm here all week. Um, so I just, you know, it coming back to that really contrived storyline just already starts things off in a bad place for me. I also feel like there's some sort of like, you know, it's it's very unclear what uh what is going on with Iris because. We get the sense for a while that, like, Dion has Iris's condition figured out, and he's sort of helping her. And then this episode, it was kind of retconned. They're like, oh, we actually don't know what this is or how you get it or whatever. And then it's like, then how is he helping you? Um, so I, I think it's very much like we ha- we're not going to play this up because we have other things to do, but then we are going to play this up when we no longer have other things to do and it's very, it's a very inconsistent thread that you know. Just when there's a dearth in the writing, you can bring it up, and I'm, I'm personally not a fan of it. Meanwhile, at Star Labs, the rest of Team Flash is working on the case of the mysterious fire meta, and Chester comes up with a device that will help let them track the killer's unusual power signature. But Chester seems very disturbed by things. Jeff, Chester's arc this episode is really going to drive the entire episode. And it was introduced very early on, but, you know, no real explanation was given for it. Did you buy um, the uh, the introduction of, of Chester's issues, really, like right from the very beginning of the episode? No, I was very confused uh, because we had seen him 
at the crime scene when he saw that first victim. And he wasn't, I mean, he was kind of freaked out by how that person died, but he wasn't, like, spooked by it. So when it started in this episode, it was, like, very strange to me. I was like, what is this? Where are we going with this? And why wasn't he like this last week? We do get an explanation for that. But as you said, Professor, it kind of took a moment for that to happen. Like, it really was, what, like maybe halfway through the episode where we finally understood what Chester was going through. Um, yeah, and so it was a little, it was a little odd. Yeah, it just seemed a bit sudden. We've talked in the past about how sometimes they'll do things for story reasons rather than character reasons. You know, someone has to do something in order to push the uh, the story forward. And it felt to me a little bit like they were sort of, uh, you know, pushing uh, Chester into that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at Iris's office, Sue Dearborn stops by. Sue's headed to Coast City to inspect some hotels she owns and tells them stories about a possible meta in Coast City. The Coast City Phantom. Allegra suggests that it would make a great story, and Iris jumps on the idea of going with Sue to investigate. Dimitri, uh, you generally don't think much of Sue in general, but how did you like her reintroduction? And what did you think about Iris basically sniping not only the story, but also the trip and the five-star hotel? Get it, Iris West Allen. You get those five-star hotels for yourself. Obviously, there was some shoehorned in, um, you know, character development there, but uh, I'm all for her staying in, you know, a five-star bungalow, what have you. Um, It was kind of interesting the way they handled Sue, because it sounds like they don't really address Ralph's departure at all. They're just kind of being like, Ralph, we, we all forgot him. Um, and Sue doesn't sort of, you know, address, you know, his absence or anything. She's literally just, um, uh, you know, um, handling her parents' company, which I will say, I I think might be, you know, the right option here. I think, you know, we've seen a lot of trying to awkwardly, you know, make the storyline fit, um, some, you know, out of, out of script, you know, real world changes. And I think, um, you know, this just, you know, the CW decided to fire him. And, you know, you don't really need to write that in necessarily um, for it to work. And uh, I I think um, just introducing Sue and, you know, she's doing her own thing was a good way to go. Um, it did seem, though, that, like, uh, you know, they needed just a character who can take Iris away from the setting and have a heart-to-heart with her. Um, And, like, it didn't seem like Sue has that relationship with Iris in that, like, they haven't haven't spent much time together, truth be told. So, um, you know, it doesn't seem like, oh, we can connect on X or something the way, like, all right, Allegra works for her. Or, you know, um, even Caitlin, you know, they've known each other for a while now. But, uh, but Sue sort of being her, um, like, you know, her confidant seemed a little strange. But I do think it's another case of the writers just being like, well, we need a character to do this. And why not Sue? We had her lying around. Can I just give a little props to Allegra in that scene? She played the comedy beautifully. Her facial reactions... 
that the little like squeakiness of her voice when uh, after Iris was like, "Oh, I'll do it," she was like, "You will." Like that was just brilliant. Like Kayla Compton did that one hundred percent. And I also do want to add the one time where it would make freaking sense to completely replace the actor because of the meta's powers. You know, he gets stuck with a new face. All you need is a tall white guy. And they could have replaced Ralph, and they could have continued on whatever journey they wanted Ralph to go. So it is a little kind of awkward, as Dimitri said, that they, like, don't even mention Ralph at all. Yeah, I just wanted to follow up on what Dimitri was saying uh, with, uh, you know, bringing in Sue for this purpose. Um, uh, Which is, remember, we've established in the past that Iris apparently has no friends of her own. So... You know, oh, yeah, that is true. You know, uh, what, what was it? Her her girls' night out for her uh, her party, and even you know this season, you know the only person she hangs around with is Allegra, someone she's paying, you know, to work for her. So I, I think you know there's there's a lot of uh, darkness going on with uh, with Iris that maybe we can investigate, uh, you know, at a future date. Iris needs friends. Yes, she can make friends with uh with our girl over in Smallville. They both make horrible breakfasts. Uh, well, yeah, let's, uh, let's not push, uh, Iris oh, into that. Okay. okay. A chest device gets a hit and the flash speeds off, but he's too late. The victim is dead and the meta is seemingly nowhere to be found. Chester and Barry talk about things at the crime scene and refer to what Barry saw as black fire and it being like nothing he's ever seen. Chester is still visibly disturbed. Uh, one of the black flames still exists, so Chester uses a device to contain the flame. Jeff, uh, I asked Dimitri earlier about Chester's arc. We get it revisited here. Uh, what did you think about Chester basically carrying this episode? You know, the, I think this is, you know, in the past he's gotten ones where he's been sort of like the co-lead, but this really was a Chester episode. What did you think about the idea of, of letting uh, Chester uh, carry the episode? Well, I think it was me who you asked earlier about Chester's art, but uh, but I do have opinions to your to your question. I thought this was a, an interesting episode because it was a surprising episode. I did not expect this to be a Chester P. Runk hour, like at all. Like you know, I guess maybe we got the, we should have gotten the hints when we when we saw him like zone out on the imagery on the sort of crime board. But I was really surprised that he was the focus because we got a lot of Chester, not just Chester backstory and sort of like inner turmoil and feelings and uh, grief and all that kind of stuff. But we also had a little bit of uh, advancement. Well, was it really advancement? But maybe it was. We got a little advancement, maybe a teeny tiny bit of advancement on a ship that some of us are on. So... So that was interesting as well. Um, yeah, I actually like that they gave Chester a lot to do in this episode. I just think that the way they started it off was just a little awkward. As you said, Professor, you know, they were doing stuff for the plot. You know, I guess they, they needed a character that, you know, was so full of grief and, and this, that, or the other. And, and he, they were the, the, the writers, like, zoned in on Chester so you kind of had to have some sort of awkward weirdness in the beginning that didn't make any sense based off of how Chester reacted in the previous episode to sort of set that up. Unfortunately, that was very clunky and awkward. But once we got into it, I thought Brandon McKnight handled the material well enough. Uh, and we will revisit the uh, the shipness uh, of it uh, a little bit oh, later. Okay. In- I got my ticket. 
Uh, in Coast City, Ira, Sue and Iris chat. Sue wants to know what's up with Iris, but they get a hit on the mystery meta and track them to Jitters, where they find a young woman named Tinya. Iris approaches Tinya and offers to help her the same way she did help Flash years ago, but Tinya doesn't want help and fries Iris's phone before leaving. Dimitri, uh, what are your initial impressions of Tanya Wazo? In the comics, she's actually an alien and a member of the Legion of Superheroes as Phantom Girl. It doesn't look like they're going that route here. Uh, it looks like she's just going to be a meta. Also, something I thought was interesting, Sue casually mentions there are metas appearing all over the place, not just in Central City. So do you think that might be something setting up for next season for The Flash, that you know, metas are no longer a Central City phenomenon? I wondered if it was setting that up or if it was setting Diggle's new show up or um oh. or what have you. Um I uh I I was wondering if they were gonna address that there are metas who like th- th- there are super people who do not exist purely because of you know, the meta gene, you know, people like Superman, you know, like if they were going to pave the way for other heroes with other origin stories, but it didn't look that way. Um, the character herself didn't make a huge impact on me, but relative to the running time of the episode, we saw relatively little of her. The The one thing that stayed in my mind was, you know, we assume that teenagers are tech savvy these days and this girl clearly doesn't know how apps work in that she thought destroying Iris's phone would cover her tracks um, forever, which is is a little strange. But, I mean, you know, maybe we'll get more development from her in episodes to come. Teenagers don't text. I've heard that. Uh, Sue and Iris work together to find up uh, to find Tinya, but Sue also presses Iris on what the real issue is. Iris confides in Sue about her time sickness. Iris is worried that things are really bad, and Sue tell her, tells her basically she can't run from her fear. Iris then realizes that Tinya might be running from something and gets an idea where to find her. Jeff, I asked Dimitri earlier about uh, the reintroduction of, of Sue, uh, but what did you think about the use of Sue in the episode, specifically having Sue you know, be the person who calls iris on her bullshit see i liked sue in the episode although i've for the most part enjoyed sue period but i liked her and i felt like she was important for basically the reason dimitri said it made no sense that sue was there because dimitri had made uh, the point that it's a little weird that uh out of all of the people because iris really doesn't know sue why would she open up to sue i think it's the whole concept of you get an outsider in and they see things from a different perspective because they don't see you all the time and so she clearly noticed that something was off and uh she she sort of asked her what it was we saw how iris like rebuffed her um, although, you know, there was a ping and, and that sort of thing, but then she went back around and asked her again about it. And sometimes the people in a weird way, cause humans are strange, you know, you sometimes open up to people that you aren't that close to. And I guess that's what ended up happening with Iris. I thought Iris's fears, uh, the way Candace Patton played it was really good um yeah uh, just because we don't know what this time sickness is she doesn't know what the time sickness is nobody knows what the time sickness is we've been dealing with the time sickness for what like a year now and we still have no idea what the hell it is uh my assumption is maybe iris is going to get powers and that's how she gets her powers from the time sickness 
Um, my other assumption is maybe this is just going to lead to another big bad. Maybe. I don't know. I'm very confused by it all. But I actually did like how she opened up to Sue, and I like that Sue was a good sounding board for her. And then she used her own sort of backstory to give her some interesting advice. Can I just say, though, because this might lead into your next thing, Professor, I just, so maybe this is a good setup or maybe not, but the fact that Iris West Allen, because she's a Pulitzer Prize winner, right? She is already? Is she not? I, I think so. I oh, think she's not. She well, hasn't. She, she's the only sort of um, named character in the Arrowverse who hasn't She's the only one that doesn't have it yet. Okay, well, she needs to win a Pulitzer Prize for this because how she immediately was like, okay, well, this girl, she must be a runaway, and she's got a lost mother, and I need to track down the house and the last known address. I was like, how she did that, Jessica Fletcher would have been impressed. I'm just saying. Well, just following off of that, to wrap things up in Coast City, Iris uses her reporting skills to figure out where to find Tinya. Then she and Sue uh, get her to open up about her past. It looks like Iris is going to be staying in Coast City and working on Tinya's past uh, by the end of the episode. Uh, so, Dimitri, what do you think about the decision to split up Iris and Barry on different storylines for what we have to assume is the foreseeable future? And also, even you have to admire Sue's fake out with the paperweight, right? And it's not yeah, like yeah, Iris that, and, that and uh, good. Um, I was about to say, it's not like Iris and Barry share any scenes anyway. Shade. Ooh, sadly, sadly, yes. Um, I do think, you know, it's an interesting way to, um, you know, have Iris safe from what's going on, you know, uh, with the uh, Phantom Fire, whatever. Um, but I do think it's a bit of a missed opportunity in that, you know, we've talked about the show maybe getting a little crowded. Um, it did seem like, you know, you could take two regulars, put them in Coast City, um, so that, you know, they have space to interact just of their own. Maybe two characters who we don't see interacting a lot. Caitlin and Iris don't actually interact a lot, even though they've been series originals. Um, and you could just sort of explore that relationship in a new way and give those two characters time to shine on their own and have the rest of the team flash somewhere else. Um, but it did seem like, uh, you know, uh, it, it's kind of isolating for Iris in that Sue Dearborn's there, but she's not like, you know, a close person to her or to us as the viewers. So, you know, I, I feel like, you know, a little bit more of a split of team flash would have been, would have been helpful. They could have had, um, Oh my God, I'm blanking on her name. Uh, the photographer, Cisco's oh, girlfriend. Uh, Cisco's girlfriend. Yes, Camilla. Camilla. You know they could have had Camilla happen to be in Coast City on a shoot or for an exhibition or something like. Cisco could have popped in for a reunion. I don't know if he's open to that, but it did seem like you know there were better situations that they could have uh, had for this split. Uh, back in Central City, Chester is a nightmare, but the fire meta and. I'll be honest, I kind of thought they were setting us up for a, a big misdirect that everything that happened in Central City was going to be all in Chester's mind. You know, after the first reveal of the uh, the the fire meta, you know, being a dream, then the next time I was convinced it was just going to be dream, 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 and then we get the reveal at the end of the episode. It wasn't that way, so, you know, kudos to the Flash writers for faking me out like that. 
Um, Chester explains to Allegra that he's convinced the fire meta is the ghost of his father who died in a fiery car crash. Jeff, I talked to this about uh, talked about this before. We finally, you know, fairly late in the episode, get the explanation of why Chester's been so rattled. How do you like that? How the scene with Allegra played out and how do you like the sort of retroactive explanation for why Chester's been off his game for this episode? The explanation was an explanation that Chester believed. So I believed that he believed it, but I thought the explanation was ridiculous because Allegra was sounding like the rational human being that like your father would not do this. Your father was a good person. Your father would not have a vendetta against you because you were sort of like a petulant teen that thought he was dorky and uncool and all this kind of stuff. Um, Yeah. So Allegra was in the right and she made the most sense. Chester made no damn sense. But then once we got more information later on about sort of like the lure of this black flame that made sense. So it was it was a weird story because it's like we were given this little bit of information that doesn't make any sense at the beginning. And then all of a sudden we're given even more information. And while, yes, it's understandable that Chester is believing it, it kind of doesn't really make any sense until we get like the rest of the information later on. So it's it's it was a strange story. That is all that I can say. Uh, but at least by the end of this, we have a better understanding as to what the Black Flame is. Professor, you are our comic book expert. Is there anything in the comics close to whatever the hell this Black Flame is? Um, nothing that comes to mind immediately, like nothing. When I was watching, I thought, aha, this is what they're doing. So, I mean, there have been various characters who've, you know, done, you know, the fires and, and, you know, uh, you know, uh, putting something in black is a fairly standard, uh, comic book, uh, trope. Um, but nothing that strike that struck me immediately as aha, here's the flash villain. Um, so, uh, yeah, nothing about this, this struck me as, as an obvious, you know, nod towards a, uh, you know, a figure from the, the traditional flash mythology. Um, I, I could be wrong about that, but yeah, nothing struck me about that. Uh, meanwhile, Star Labs is under a full attack from the fire meta, and there's nothing Barry or Frost can do to stop it because it's cold flames, yada yada. Uh, Cecile can feel the despair of thousands of people, and the flames turn into Chester's father. The flames are trying to feed on Chester's despair, but he does a bit of flash talk no jitsu, and thanks to Allegra and Cecile and happy memories of his father, uh, Chester is able to turn his back and, and deny the, uh, uh, the, the dark flames. Uh, Dimitri. How'd you like that resolution? I've been talking with Jeff about, you know, how he felt about how they, they introduced, uh, you know, Chester's issues and everything like that. How did you feel about how the arc played out over the episode and, and how it was resolved with, with Chester basically just going, no. I, um, I think there were two payoffs that a lot of us were really hoping for that um, we didn't get. One was I, I wish they would have um clarified uh that Chester was seeing his father because for a while I don't know if you guys were with me but I saw him look at like the wall where they had pictures of the victims and I thought maybe he recognized somebody and that was why things were weighing on his mind like oh that's my boy from back in the day or something like I, I was... agree with you that's kind of what I thought was going on yeah yeah so I think you know just one shot early in the episode showing Chester seeing his father and him just going, Dad, 
would have made the whole episode a lot clearer. Um, so that was one thing. The other thing was, I think a lot of us were hoping Allegra was going to snap Chester out of it with a kiss, which did oh. not happen. They clearly want to stretch out this uh, this love story. Um, so, you know, um, I'm glad. I was pretty sure Allegra was going to be the one to, you know, save him. But uh, I, I kind of, you know, I mean, you know, who doesn't love a good love story? Well, I don't. I'm going to oh. revisit this with Jeff in a moment. So in a debrief, Joe tells them that the earlier victims have been also dealing with grief, and the team realizes they're dealing with something that eats grief to survive, not a meta that controls flame. Then we get my favorite scene. Uh, you know, as Dimitri said, everyone loves love. Well, I don't always love love, but I did love the way Danny Nicolette played this scene as she accidentally realizes, using her powers, that Allegra and Chester are in love, even if they haven't realized yet. I'm not sure I still endorse the ship. I've said in the past, I'm not crazy about this. It feels a little bit too much like the CW. Hey, we've got two age-appropriate people. They must be in love with each other. But Jeff, how do you like how the scene played out and how Cecile reacted? All right. Before I board the ship, just two little things from the previous discussion that I just wanted to point out. I thought the Chester's fantasy sequence of his father visiting Star Labs and us actually watching it was very strange. Like, them clinking the coffee mugs, it was just, that was too much. Because that was not a flashback to anything that really happened. Because his father was dead. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's been dead for many years. So he has no idea about anything Star Labs. And the whole fantasy sequence was just strange. So there's that. Um, I think that was the only point. I think I'm going to say two points, but that was just a big point. Um, That was worth two points. Okay. The ship. The ship, in my opinion, is being, like, much better written than last year. Last year, it was just strange. It was like, you know, they'd bump into each other, and then they'd have to look away and, 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 and skedaddle out of the room. Like, it was very sort of high school-y, teeny-boppery, and it just did not work for me, even though I felt like they had chemistry. They're writing them much better this season. Like, I actually feel like they really care for one another. They're just scared as fuck to say it. But I can feel their chemistry through the screen, and I am rooting for them. They are adorkable. They care about each other. And there was a moment when I think Chester thought he was going to die that he he was going to say, I love you, to Allegra. But then he chickened out. And I'm glad he didn't say it then because we got that really great moment first with Allegra saying, you know, I'm always going to be here for you. And then once uh, Danny Nicolette uh, sort of skipped away uh, when he was like, you know, I'm always going to be there for you, too. Danny Nicolette was adorable as fuck. She sensed the love and she was like, all right, I need to leave because these two are about to I don't know what they're about to do, but they need to do it themselves and then the little skip was just so damn cute they didn't see it but we saw it and it was beautiful i'm so glad you caught that because as much as you know uh, danny nicolette played it with you know the expression on her face when she had the realization for me what sold it was the fact that in the background between these two characters you can see her literally skipping out of the scene you know she is so yes. happy 
And yeah, it was just you know, a delightful passion. Now, whether she was told to do that by the director or whether that was an actress choice, I don't know. But damn, I, I really enjoyed that. And, and, you know, it really feels appropriate to, uh, to Cecile's character. But of course, she would be like, oh, my God, these two kids. Oh, uh, I think that 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 totally worked for me. Uh, Dimitri, uh, you you said everyone loves love. So how are you feeling about the ship? It's weird because these are two relatively new characters. I always felt Chester had a pretty good introduction, whereas Allegra was a bit more of a slow burn for me. But, you know, I do think the ship has been written in a way that, you know, I'm at least invested. Like, I want to see these two together, which, you know, I give the writers a lot of shade. But props for this, because it's not easy to get us invested in one new character, let alone two. You know, we we had, you know, we were invested in Camilla you know, she did her job great, but also, you know, we really wanted to see Cisco in love for a long time. So uh, getting us, you know, this invested in these two come together is, I think, you know, good writing um, and also uh, fantastic performances from both of them. We really do see the chemistry building. The one thing um, that I wish they did better um, because I am such a nerd is, you know, I wish they would have shown, uh, you know, Allegra getting into Dungeons and Dragons because suddenly it just, they just casually mentioned that those two have a campaign together. One, I would love to see them play D&D because I am a huge nerd, but also, you know, it, it seems like, you know, Allegra wasn't really into it until she started hanging out with Chuck. So, you know, did he get her into it? You know, I would have loved to see that happen or something. I don't know. That's just the nerd in me, though. It was. It's funny. Like uh, one thing about that, you know, when uh, Allegra said, "Oh, I'll talk to to Chester," and she goes in and she's like talking to him, and she says something about you know campaign. And, you know, it was one of those things that you have to wait for the next line for it to make sense. But I was thinking, wait a second, are they talking about something that happened, you know, off camera? on the show or something like that, then you realize, oh, it's a Dungeons and Dragons reference. And, you know, so I, I did kind of like that. And, you know, I haven't been the biggest fan of these two together as a ship, but I kind of like them together. I do find it a little odd that they seem to have forgotten. And by they, I mean the writers that Allegra is a powerful meta on her own. So she's being menaced by this, you know, black flames. And she doesn't think, Hey, you know what might fight flames, a bright flash of light. No, just, you know, just completely forget you've got powers, Allegra. That's, uh, that's fine. Is that how we get rid of flames? Just a bright flash of light? They're black. Okay. So I mean, it, like the the the, the light sprays over Andy. the black flames and they they go poof because so much if light. Anything? I think your your option is to use your superpower on it. It's like when Barry's being menaced by the flames, his you know reaction should be to try to do something really fast because that's your power dude oh no he um, did remember he tried to he did the, the the propeller arms so why wouldn't allegra do the same thing okay well that's God. true i feel like hers is isn't it like radiation though like isn't that bad with flames i don't know i'm just no. asking i mean and and again like even i don't care even even if you know after the fact you said oh in retrospect you shouldn't have done that your life is being threatened you should use your meta power especially because we've established she's a pretty powerful meta True. You know, especially when she's feeling good about herself, she should have, you know, you know, massive power levels. Anyway, the episode ends with Barry and Iris getting caught up by a Zoom, not that Zoom, the online Zoom. Uh, and Barry suggests Iris stay in custody while Team Flash deals with the latest threat. Uh, Jeff, I was asking Dimitri about this. I'm just going to throw this out there. Again, the separation of Barry and Iris. 
are you signing off on it? I mean, is there a chance that, you know, maybe Candace Patton and Grant Gaston don't like working with each other, can't stand being in the same room with each other? What do you think about the separation of them? I'm very confused by this. It is strange. Like, and it made sense sort of last season and, and uh, you know, was it the season before? Or was it just last season that was really heavily COVID protocols? I think it was just last season that was really heavily COVID protocol-y. Um, it made sense last season. You know, we didn't really see much of, of like, affection between Barry and Iris because of COVID. Grant Gustin had a young child. And so precautions, 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 like all of that made sense to me. I feel like precautions have kind of laxed a little bit in all TV productions. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what it is. It, it is a little strange. You know, we did have the line from Sue. Are y'all still, you know, basically America's darlings of, you know, of, of the superhero world. And, uh, I was thinking to myself, I was like, are they, are they, you know, the, the supreme couple still? Because we haven't really seen them be romantic or affectiony like at all. And it, it, I mean, it does lead to like a question the professor said, I think he kind of said it snarkily, but I'm like, are there problems on sets? I mean, there have been rumors of, of Candace Patton and, Daniel Panabaker, and then that's why they've never really had scenes together, kind of period. Um, I don't know if I should buy into any of that, because I don't think any of them have ever really confirmed any of that. But, I mean, it does lead to sort of wild, rampant speculation. Um, I mean, storyline-wise, it sort of makes sense because of the Black Flame and wanting to protect her, and Iris is getting her own storyline, which we're, we're all very happy when Iris is out there, you know, fighting the good fight and being kind of Lois Laney and, and like getting in the mix and trying to save people and all that kind of stuff. So I am excited for her in regards to that. Plus she's staying in a gorgeous hotel room. Professor, I had no idea the Canadian hotels look like that. So we should all visit Canada if we're going to stay in a hotel room like that. Cause that, hotel room was gorgeous i hope it's a real hotel room and it isn't just some sort of set um maybe hopefully they went on location if not the set was gorgeous period but yeah like i have it i'm torn as to how i'm supposed to feel about this because i like barry and iris together fighting the good fight but i do like iris having her own storyline but i haven't seen iris and barry do any sort of affection and it feels like centuries so i'm a little worried about that too. Yeah, and, and and I do think that it's sort of like setting things up, you know, because they are going to be dealing with with separate storylines. I think the the Tanya Wazo situation is going to be taking up some of Iris's time. It gives her a reason to be off doing that, um, you know, and allows them to tell two separate stories, um, you know, even though Barry could obviously run to Coast City, you know, in a matter of split seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, this, you know, does separate them and allow them to tell two different stories. It does feel a little bit, you know. A uh, COVID quince, you know, a, um, a sort of thing they would have done last season to keep people separated so that, you know, they don't have to be together, uh, you know, as often. So it felt a little artificial to me in that sense, but I don't necessarily mind it. Maybe when but she returns, know, she'll give uh, uh, Barry a, a big kiss, you know? One can only hope that there yeah. will be some sign of affection between them. Um, Dion shows up at the end of the episode and in classic cliffhanger fashion, instead of saying what's wrong, he cryptically says, 
it's not good. And then we get a lingering reaction shot of Iris. And we're still no closer to knowing what the hell is up with Iris West Allen. Dimitri, it looks like we're finally going to get some resolution on Iris's time sickness next episode. Any thoughts? Any explanations? Any predictions? I really, 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 really hope it's not setting up an Iris West departure. Um, Whoa, what the hell? That came out of nowhere. That Grant Gustin has signed for next season. We have not heard anything about anyone else. Good Lord. Well, you heard it here first, Professor. Dimitri wants uh, Candace Patton off the show. Dimitri does not want Candace Patton off the show. Candace Patton is the best thing about the show. But um, I'm really wondering where they're going with this. Um, It would be cool to see Iris with powers, but like... It seems like there's already a route for that. You know, she's had powers before. So, like, the fact that this storyline has such an ominous flair to it um, makes me wonder if something else is afoot. I really don't know where they're going with this, um, but I really, really hope it's not, you know, something like Cisco feeling, oh, I, I'm scared of all my friends moving on, so I'm going to move on first. Peace. Well, she's kind of married to one of them. I'm just saying. True, true. Like, you know, we need a separation because I'm scared that you're going to move on from me, Barry. Uh, or maybe, maybe Dion doesn't like kids, and so he's going to be like, you're pregnant. <laughs> I don't know. I just... That I, would be amazing. Could you imagine? It's not good news. It's not good news. You're going to have a kid. I know. Don't they I don't, suck? But I don't think I would show up and say, it's not good news. <laughs> I mean, that's what I would be thinking. I certainly wouldn't say it. Yeah. Uh, uh, before we move on to our MVPs and grades for the episode, was there anything else anyone wanted to mention about the episode? Any little Easter eggs, little moments, anything like that? I just want to do a quick counterpoint to something Dimitri said very early on on the podcast. Because he said, oh, no, we see Dion. I'm reminded of the Forces storyline. And so this sucks. I will say this. And I think we all can agree. The Forces storyline did suck. But I don't blame the actors. I actually like the Dion character. And and we've seen him so many times now doing, I was about to say doing stuff with Iris, but that just sounded wrong. But because technically that's his mother. But um, but he's always there, you know, uh, doing the stillness with uh, Iris. And I've enjoyed seeing their bond kind of grow. So I don't mind seeing Dion as opposed to Dimitri, who I guess, you know, just whenever he sees Dion, just thinks of the forces and is like, bad, bad, bad. Uh, I will co-sign with you. I was not a big fan. Well, obviously, I mean, no sane person was a fan of the uh, the forces storyline, but Dion was kind of my least favorite, uh, you know, of the forces. Um, but I have liked him, you know, since they've been bringing him back and, and you know, even him sort of, you know, talking about his, you know, talking, you know, about going back into the, uh, the Speed Force, talk with his sibs about it. Uh, it worked for me. So I, I'm not minding, um, you know, his reintroduction as long as we don't get all of them and we don't get the... Uh, the whole, oh, you created us. We're your responsibility. Ugh, God. Yeah. yeah. But I agree with Dimitri on the sense that, you know, it would be nice if we didn't have to be reminded of, of that hideous uh, uh, story. Of, of course, why can't we get a little Fuerza? Come on. 
Anyway, I just want to mention one little Easter egg, which was that uh, when they showed us, uh, or when they showed us, uh, when they showed Iris and Sue, uh, you know, going to, uh, to Coast City, there was a little sign there, you know, home of Ferris Air. And Ferris Air, of course, is Carol Ferris, who is the uh, the owner of Ferris Air and the love interest of Green Lantern, Hal Jordan Green Lantern. And Coast City was the place where, where Green Lantern uh, you know, worked in the comics. So I thought that was a nice little you know, shout out uh, on the comic books uh, front. Okay, it's time for the MVP. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character's been chosen, they cannot be selected again, so choose wisely. I will choose Jeff, who is your MVP and why. I'm going to leave some of the more main MVP people to both of you, and I'm going to sort of veer in a different direction, even though, I mean, it's not that big of a different direction because I feel like she was important to the a plots i'm gonna give it to allegra i really enjoyed allegra this episode i thought kayla compton did very well as i mentioned earlier with the comedy you know that whole sue scene because you know she wanted to go to the posh hotel and then all of a sudden it was just snatched away from her by our girl iris west allen the comedy there was perfect then the romance stuff really worked for me her I don't like that she calls him Chuck, but her and Chuck, uh, they were just magic together. And then the more dramatic stuff where she's trying to convince Chester that A, it's not his father, B, his father would never do that, C, his father would not want revenge. And then, you know, she really brings him around and uh, makes him sort of face his grief. I thought Kayla Compton did a really good job this episode. And, uh, you know, we haven't been maybe the biggest Allegra fan, um, you know, because they didn't really know what to do with her in the beginning. But I feel like they finally really figured out what to do with the character. And I thought she was really essential in this episode. Uh, I will co-sign. I, I, you know, as you were just saying, I have not been the biggest Allegra fan. Um, I have not made a, a secret of that fact, but I did like Kayla Compton in this episode. Uh, Dimitri, who is your MVP and why? That's who I was going to give it to, but sure. Um, <laughs> uh, Chester's the other half of that relationship, and I feel like, you know, with Allegra taking, it's got to go to Chester. Um, he, you know, while I think the the writing and the editing was such that we didn't really understand what was wrong, he really sold that something was deeply wrong. Um, and also there's a moment where he's conflicted, like, I really like this girl. Also, something is really wrong. Um, and I think he played that well. We saw the conflict in his mind. Um, and, uh, and we, we, you know, we, we convincingly see uh, a guy who's, like, struggling to get his feelings out, which uh, I do think goes a little bit more of the way towards, you know, getting us invested in this ship. So, um I I think you know uh you know Brandon's pulling this off really well and uh Chester's the MVP for me. Uh, another excellent choice. Uh, my selection, I'm going to give it to Sue. I've always been a big Sue Dearborn fan. Um, and, you know, even though they have sort of, you know, written, you know, the elongated man out of, you know, uh, flash continuity, I like the fact that they're establishing Sue as her own character, that she can, you know, uh, you know, be a sounding board, be someone who who calls Iris on her bullshit. And I think she just had a lot of fun uh, in the episode. Uh, and, uh, and I really liked how how she was played and how she was reintroduced. 
Okay, it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 lightning bolts? The point system is allowed. If you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than 10, you may archive the episode in the Flash Museum. Dimitri, how would you rate this episode? I will give this episode an 8. Um, you know, I was interested in the in the main plot. I think the fire is, you know, a sufficiently menacing foe. Um, I think, you know, the Chester and Allegra plot was, you know, nicely done. It's cute. Um, I think, you know, Sue was kind of shoehorned in, um, and her relationship with Iris is a little bit forced, but, um, you know, we'll see. Maybe it'll, it'll grow with, it sounds like they're going to have a few episodes together. Jeff, how would you rate the episode? Uh, Surprisingly, I co-sign with Dimitri. I am going to give it an eight as well. And eight, because of the clunkiness, uh, sort of the weirdness of the start of the episode. But uh, I'm not going to dip it below an eight because I feel like everyone, their performances were really good. I thought Brandon McKnight, Kayla Compton were fantastic as uh, basically the leads of the A storyline. I did enjoy the return of Sue and I did like that they gave uh, Iris her own storyline, so I thought the B storyline was actually really good as well, even though it's the strangeness of um, Iris having to leave and go to Coast City. But we've heard of Coast City, and we've visited there before, I feel. So, um, you know, it was, it was nice that she's getting her own thing to do. So uh, I, I will agree. I will give it eight as well. Well, far be it for me to stand in the face of uh, this overwhelming peer pressure. I agree. It, it was about an eight. It was a good episode, not a great episode, um, but uh, yeah, a lot of good stuff in there, uh, you know, and, and, you know, enough stuff to, to really enjoy and, you know, sort of setting some stuff up going forward uh, as well. So join us next time for a brand new installment of The Central City Citizen. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Central City Citizen and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-host, please wish listeners a good night, starting with Jeff. Good night, Central City and Coast City. And Dimitri. Good night, Central City. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe to The Central City Citizen via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. New episodes release every Friday. You can also download the entire series by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. Good night.